On this episode of The B-Side, we'll be talking about six 21st century attitudes that could have killed the first century church. Welcome to The B-Side, a Blessed Hope podcast where we turn over the sermon notes and answer those lingering questions. Hey everybody, I'm Vince and I'm here with Pastor Matt of Blessed Hope and we're going to be talking about six 21st century attitudes that could have killed the first century church and we actually have a bonus so it's it's six plus one. So I think that's seven. Yeah. Okay, good. I, I'm not awesome at math, but I thought I knew that. But originally we had six, and then we added a seven. You know so. what? Yeah, and, and Vince, I'll just, before we get started, let me say this. I love this topic. I think this is uh, something that, that is so critically important for the church today. Uh, for our church, yes, uh, but for the church in general, we just need to know and be aware of these kinds of things, because uh, if we're not careful— um, I think we're going to do some, not irreparable damage. I mean, God's church is going to survive, but we're right. going to do the people that we're supposed to be ministering to irreparable damage if we're not right. careful about the wrong attitudes. Right. And this stuff hurts witness. It, it, it dampens um, God's glory through his church. Yeah, and, it does. And so uh, we have six plus one, so seven. Um, let's just jump into the first one. And the first attitude is... It's my church. Um, so kind of this comes from longstanding members usually. You don't usually get somebody who just walks through the door and says, I've been here two Sundays. It's my church. Well, and, and you know, you might, but, but frankly, those are people that end up leaving quickly. And I know we're going to talk about church shopping later on. Yep. Uh, but one of the things that happens with church shoppers is that they come in and they take a look around and they, they want it their way. And because they don't have the stroke to, to make it happen, right. they tend to um, move on relatively quickly to another church to try to influence there. Uh, but the longstanding members, they get to play that, well, I've been here for 20 years or 25 right. years right. or in a town like Vinton. My family has been coming to this church for three generations. Right. And, and, and that, is, uh, you know, that is an attitude, of course, that the 21st century um, is, is predominant, but the first century church wouldn't have had to deal with. Right. Uh, because there, there, was a, new. there was a new movement. But honestly, it's the newness, I think, that, that helped that church just, with the power of the Holy Spirit, just take off. Mm-hmm. And Vince, it's one of the reasons why church plants are so successful. Yeah. I, I remember being in seminary and um, in a town of like a billion churches and somebody was talking to me like, yeah, we planted a church over here. And I'm like, but we have all these established churches. And, and it, for me, it was, it was a block. I couldn't get that part of it that sometimes new and fresh it, it actually helps. Well, it, it does because what happens, and, and this, is, this is something that's true about probably most people in the homes that they live in. Mm-hmm. If you've lived in your home for um, any length of time, you then understand this from a physical standpoint. Like, if you walk into my home with fresh eyes, you know what you're going to see? What's that? You're going to see nicks and scratches oh, yeah. and dings yep. and, and a little stain on the carpet here or there. You're going to see mm-hmm. things uh, from an outsider perspective, and you're going to look at those, and, and, and they're almost immediately, they're going to draw your eye. 
Yeah. Um, and, and it's not that my house is trashy. It's just that you get those things. When I walk into my house, I'm used to it. It's normal. Mm-hmm. I don't notice them. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's only when you go to sell your house yeah. that you start to notice all of those little imperfections and those things. Yeah. Uh, and, and it's one of the reasons I'm convinced sometimes why people move, right? Because new is better. Um, and, and, I, and I think that's what happens in the church. Like we get into a rhythm or routine and we like things the way that we like them or even the church building itself starts to get but but we've been here so long we don't notice that that program doesn't work anymore we don't notice that the church building itself is in disarray or uh the things that we used to do don't always work out the way that they used to work out because the world's different yeah and i think one of the things that contributes to this it's my church or i nobody would say it this way i own the church um, but one of the things that contributes to this is donated items, mm-hmm. or when churches, we don't do this as a church, but when other churches uh, put plaques on things that have been donated, or um, a, a big tither ha- ha- donated for a, a, a wing, or for a, a stove, or uh, that's... Things a, then that you're afraid to get rid of. Yeah, you can't get rid of it yeah. if it has a name on it. Actually, you know what? That was, uh, this predates me, of course, because I've only been here about four, four-ish, four and a quarter years. Yeah. Um, so the church was founded, obviously, you know, about 10 years prior to that. But one of the very conscious decisions that the elders made, they made two. One was that um, there would be no plaques or no memorial dedications to individuals. Yeah. People could donate for sure, mm-hmm. but we weren't going to memorialize that as, oh, this is the, uh, this is the, the John Smith stage right. that we're sitting on, or these are the, uh, you know, this is the, the Ethel May Margaret II's Bible that you're using today. Yeah. You know, we, we didn't do those things. And that was a very intentional decision. The other thing that the elders decided to kind of combat that was that they actually were not going to accept designated funds mm. that were earmarked outside of the things that they had already said were acceptable to designate funds to. Yeah. So there was no designated funds for a new piano. Okay, yeah. There would be no designated funds for, well, I want a new coffee maker in the kitchen, so I'll donate money for a new coffee maker. They wouldn't yeah. accept those funds. If you wanted to donate a coffee maker, donate a coffee maker. That's mm-hmm. great. But, but we weren't setting up that system where you could influence, well, or you yeah. could influence the ministry or, right. the, or the, right. the mission funding of the church by saying, well, I'm donating, but only to that specific cause. Yeah, I remember we, last year our, our elder study book was Who Moved My Pulpit? And, and it was about change, but um, he talked about a pulpit that he had moved or gotten rid of mm-hmm. that was built or made by somebody uh, gener- a generation ago and how um, he thought it was such a small thing and all of a sudden it, it blew up in this big thing. Yeah, and I, I just it's something, it's an attitude of, and, and you know what, I think everybody can have it, like we said, but, but it, is, it is usually held more firmly by people that are long-standing members in a church um, and, and, and you know what? I get it. I want yeah. to say that. I get it. And a lot of times it's because when they came to faith mm-hmm. or when they really dug in or, or when they started to get serious about their maturity in Christ and when they started to grow, this is what the setting was. Yeah. And so in their minds, they've equated what the setting was mm-hmm. with the way that it needs to be for other people to yeah. experience that. And, and that's dangerous though. And there's a lot of personal investment. I mean, those long-standing folks, they've been here a long time. They've, mm-hmm. 
they've tithed a lot, they've they've served a lot, they've they've done a lot of stuff, and so there is that kind of I got a lot of skin in the game, yeah, and, and I want it to be my church. I want yeah. it to be the way that I want it. Yeah. Um, so a quick solution for this. I mean, it sounds so simple, but it's not your church. It's God's church. Um, there, there's not much more to say about that, but Scripture is very clear um, that as ministers, we're stewards. As as covenant members of a church, we're stewards uh, of his ministry through the church, that it, it's primarily God's. Yeah, and if we're doing it right, this is this is why the attitude shift is so critical. From it's my church, you know, this is this is where I belong. This is me. This is this is the church that I've been a part of since my childhood, or for years and years, and I've donated to it, and I've given blood, sweat, tears to it, and therefore, you know, it needs to stay this way. To say no, 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 it's God's church, and the reason that becomes so critical is because it's that understanding that allows us to release. Yeah, which is exactly what we have to do if the church is going to thrive. That's what happened in the first century is, is people, they trained and they brought in and they released. Yeah. And then those people did the thing. I, I think you know, we, had, we had family Sunday here not that long ago, mm-hmm. and we had kids up here jumping and singing, and there is no part of that that wasn't worship. Mm-hmm. But to a lot of our folks, it didn't look like worship. It looked like, right. it looked like dance party. Right. Right, but I tell you what, we need to release because in, in in not that many years, those are the people that are going to be on stage leading us in worship, and right. they're the ones that are going to be ministering to a community that is getting progressively younger and and bringing in people to worship because that's how they do it. Right, that's different than how we did it, but it's how they do it, and we need to release because it's God's church. Yeah, and that transitions perfectly into the second attitude, and that's traditionalism or. Uh, change of version, which we kind of talked about in, in It's My Church, but there's two attitudes that are prevalent in mm-hmm. traditionalism. Uh, we've always done it this way, and if it's not broke, don't fix it. Yeah, boy. I'll tell you what, as, as, as a lead pastor, as somebody who understands, and I understand this, and I know I understand it, probably some people think, uh, and I embrace it too much, but somebody that understands that the church must change. Not for the sake of change, mm-hmm. but the church must change because the world is changing. Yeah. Okay? And, and the church will never compromise our message. We've talked about this so many times. The church will never compromise our message. The church will never start to say that false things are true or that true things are compromised. We'll never do those things. Yeah. We will always stand firm on truth. But... Our job is to engage a lost world, to storm the gates of hell. And and to do that, we need to engage the culture. Uh, We need to leverage culture with the gospel. We need to redeem culture. And to do that, we have to let go Mm -hmm. of good so that we can get to best. Yeah, it makes me think of Peter and Paul in the book of Acts. I mean, Peter is, you know, I'm not going to eat with Gentiles. I I can't eat with Gentiles. They need to be circumcised if they're going to be part of the church. And and Paul's like, no, we got to break from that traditionalism to reach the Gentiles uh, because uh, circumcision is a barrier for some adult men getting into the church. Well, not only that, but it's putting trust in the wrong thing. Right. Uh, you know, I would, I would always, first of all, I love that. And you, you, you said that very nicely, but, <laughs> but I think, I think, you know, when, when scripture, had, they, they didn't just disagree. I think Paul had it out 
yeah. with Peter. He's like, I opposed him to his face. face. Yeah. And, and that you almost get the picture that that was a public kind of a dressing down that Paul mm-hmm. gave Peter. But you know mm-hmm. what? Peter accepted it, and he repented, and he moved on from it. Yeah. But the idea of traditionalism and us getting stuck there, well, don't, don't, don't fix it if it's not broken. We can sing the songs we used to say. We can say the liturgies we used to say. We can do those things that we used to do. We can, we can have church and Sunday school and, and, and you know, community programs the way that we used to have them and all of these things. And I tell you what, the problem with that is that uh, what we've done is we've almost made those things the gospel. Yeah. And that's what Peter was in danger of doing that mm-hmm. Paul opposed so severely. Paul was, was so upset at Peter because Peter was, was starting to equate circumcision and yeah. eating clean food with the salvation of Jesus Christ that's available only through faith. And so Paul's concern was that we not confuse the gospel of Jesus Christ. Well, we do that same thing when we demand traditionalism. Mm -hmm. Go back to the book you mentioned in the Who Moved My Pulpit. Great book if you want to lead change. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, But but this idea that, that... well, we demand that that old pulpit be there. We demand that we have the church chairs set up in a certain way. We demand that we sing certain songs. We demand that the start time be at a certain time. We demand that Sunday school happen the way it's always happened. Yeah. You know, that's something that we've been talking about moving away from Sunday school. Yeah. And, and really embracing the small group ministry and our, our midweek things with kids in our children's church time instead. But when we demand the traditional stuff, what we're doing is we're saying that is the way that we're right with God is by doing that traditional right, stuff. Right. And, and Paul was like, yo, that, that's wrong. Yeah. The gospel is available by grace through faith, and that is it. Yeah, it just reminds me, we went to Right Now Conference a couple of weeks ago, and, and this guy just had a perfect illustration for why change is necessary. And he said, what, can get, what gets you a, a hit at home plate can get you thrown out at first base if you don't let it go. And he's talking about a baseball bat, but there are programs and, and traditions that we can hold on to that were good, that got us a hit at home plate, but are going to get us thrown out at first base with the next generation. Yeah, so, so things I hate hearing, mm-hmm. we've always done it that way. Mm-hmm. And I hate hearing, if it's not broke, don't fix it. And again, I'll say this. We are never going to change for change's sake. Right. But the attitude of let's do it the way we always have done it because, well, it worked before, that would have killed the first century church. Yeah. The first century church was a church that was all about change and advance and movement. And Paul even says it himself. He's like, man, when I am here, I am this kind of person. When I am here, I am this person. He said, I am all things to all people so that I might win a few. Meaning not that I become a heathen, but that, that I don't have to hold on to what I used to do because it doesn't work for me there. Right. Okay. And when I go minister in this place, then I'll pull those things out because it'll work for me here. And, And this is just a missional mindset. I mean, I think people don't realize that the church has been doing this since the first century of changing, that they've gone to Asia and worn Mm -hmm. uh, the Asian cultural garb to to bring the gospel. Missionaries know this very well. Yeah. Um, So the third one is respectable sins. Oh, man. (laughs) That's a tough one, right? Yeah, and I think this, um, maybe most people won't think of it this way, but I think it stems from a Catholic understanding that, uh, you know, of the seven deadly sins, like these are the really big ones. Um, and 
Which, by the way, I'm not sure I see that in Scripture, right. by the way. I don't, I don't know that anywhere I read that one sin is bigger than another. I think mm-hmm. that um, I get it because mm-hmm. some sins carry a bigger price tag here in yeah. this temporary world. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I lie to you. Um, I'm angry at you. Um, then we have temporary, temporary in the temporary world conflict. Yeah. I murder you. <laughs> right? Yeah. Jesus says those are the same thing, man. You harbor anger in your heart. That's the same as committing murder. Mm-hmm. Well, they don't have the same price tag. Right. So I think we, we tend to elevate and say, well, that sin is worse than. Right. And I get where it comes from, but man, you're not going to read that in scripture. Right. You read the opposite. And I think the, you know, the attitude of, well, it's not really a big deal is mm-hmm. it, if I lie. Or um, I think this one is from a church standpoint. Um, when the church emphasizes has an emphasis on hot button sins of the day. Um, you know, the culture raises the stakes, and then the church, you know, come, matches them, saying, "Hey, no, this isn't this isn't good. This isn't right." Um, and I think for some people, they get confused in the midst of that um, well, I, public I mean, debate. Yeah, let's just call it what it is. Let's look at homosexuality. I yeah. mean, so what what's happened is is that the culture has challenged the idea that homosexuality is immoral. Right. The church has been in one of two camps. It's either compromised, and there's no way to look at that. And I know we have churches in town that they have waved a white flag on that issue, and it's problematic. Yeah. Okay? But the church has either compromised that or the church has dug in as it should. Mm -hmm. But when the church digs into a place, what happens is in the mindset of people in the church and the world, that becomes the worst kind of sin. Right. So for a long time, people have looked at homosexuality and said, well, that is the worst kind of sin right. because the church is championing uh, the fact that it's immoral. Well, it, it's no more um, problematic than all kinds of other sins that people right. commit. Right. Uh, but the world isn't trying to convince us that stealing is okay. Right. Right. As soon as the world tries to convince us that stealing is okay, we're going to draw those lines in the sand too. Yeah. Um, but you get the point that, uh, that that's the way it goes. And, and the church has, has hurt itself because it hasn't been clear. Not mm-hmm. that it's hurt itself because it's drawn those lines, but it's hurt itself because it has allowed for then, uh, we did a sermon series on this, yeah. it's allowed for respectable sins to become okay. Right. And I think the solution to this is just um, a more comprehensive view of, of sin. So a better teaching in small groups, better teaching from uh, the pulpit. Um, churches just need to do a better job of teaching a, a full view of what sin is. Yeah, and, and, and why it's problematic. And yes, there's grace, but it's not cheap grace. Right. It's not, see, sometimes we say grace, grace rules the day, and people are like, oh, cheap grace, I can sin, and then I have grace. Yeah, okay, but, but that's not real grace. Right. That is, um, that's silliness, really, is what it is. But you know how we know this would have killed the first century church? Yeah. Because God dealt with, as soon as a sin like this showed up, and it didn't take long, but as soon as a sin yeah. like this showed up, God dealt with it severely and swiftly. Mm-hmm. And, and that was an indicator that, whoa, whoa, time out. You know what? Uh, a compromise of sin and, and looking at some sins as they're okay, that all of a sudden becomes uh, something that God can't tolerate. Mm-hmm. You look at that with Ananias and Sapphira, Yeah, right? I mean, they owned property, they sold property, and they donated half the proceeds. That is generous. They didn't have to do that. Right. Nobody was saying, you better do this. The church wasn't demanding that they do it. They mm-hmm. did it 
But instead of being honest and saying, hey, look, guys, we're going to take a trip with this half or we're going we're gonna to plan retirement yeah. and you have this half, instead, which would have been fine. Yeah. But instead what they did is they kept half quietly mm-hmm. and they said, oh, we're donating everything, yeah. uh, trying to puff themselves up. And just that little respectable sin of the little white lie, mm-hmm. God strikes them dead. Yeah. It, as, they, as they speak that lie to the church, God says, hey, man, you're not just lying to people. You're lying to the Holy Spirit. You're lying mm-hmm. to God, and we're not having it. And they fall dead one at a time. Um, and, and, yeah, I mean, that would kill the church. Mm-hmm. Uh, our fourth one is self-serving um, or self-serving service, I guess yeah, would be a yeah, better way. Well, um, and, and this is the attitude of I'll only serve if it benefits me or my family. Um, it's the, my kid's on the team, so I'll coach. Right. Um, I've done my time, or, you know, I, I'm so old, teens won't listen to me. Yeah, you know, the one that drives me nuts and all that is, um, I've done my time. Yeah. Because you show me in Scripture, <laughs> you show me in Scripture where there is retirement from Christian ministry. Yeah. You're not going to find it. Uh, the apostles served until their, for most of them, tragic death. Yeah, that was their retirement. That was, was their retirement. The Lord. Um, and, and you know what? That should be our retirement. Like, I mean, I'm not saying I'll never retire from being a pastor, but when I retire from being a pastor, it won't be to no Christian ministry. Right. When I retire from being a pastor, I will be retiring from vocational ministry into lay ministry. Yeah. But my service to God through the church never quits. Mm-hmm. And so when people say, oh, I've done my time, I'm not going down to hold babies in the nursery or to love on kids. I've done my, I'm not doing faith in action because I've done my time. I don't need to serve the community anymore. I'll tell you what, man, that really gets me fired up because show me how that is an attitude that is prevalent in the first century church. The church that we all say, every Christian to an individual would say, man, I want to be a part of that church. Mm-hmm. You ain't going to find that attitude in there. Like I've done my time. I'm not doing another missionary journey. Yeah. Uh, you know, I was in jail once already. I got shipwrecked. I got whipped. I'm not going back out there again. No, they're like, right. yeah, send me. Here I am. Yeah. There was a riot in the town last time I came. I so just, I'm not doing that again. They're like, you know what? Going back I mean, to Ephesus? Paul, Paul gets dragged out of the city in Iconium, and they, and they throw rocks at him until they think he's dead. He wakes up, and he walks back into the city. I'm like, there is no retiring from Christian ministry. And so this, I've done my time or, you know what, I'm not any good to anybody. I'm like, oh man, that is, that is insane. We as a church, and I'm not talking about the church. I think this is true for the church, but we as this church, we are a church of a bunch of 30, 40 year olds who are starving Mm -hmm. for an older generation to come alongside, put their arm around us and teach us and instruct us. Paul right. tells that to, to the, the women, or he tells Timothy to tell it to the older women in, in, in the letter he writes him. He says, hey, the, the older women should instruct the younger women, and, and older men should pour into younger men. Listen, your service may change, yeah, but it doesn't mean that you stop. Right. And that's, that's just, I mean, that's a have to. Yeah, and I think um, the thought that you have to have here, that the solution is um, the understanding is your demographic doesn't determine your giftedness or your influence. No. 
everybody has something to do. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, in this, in this, one of the things we've lost, and this is maybe a topic for another podcast, but one of the things that we've lost is this idea of, of patriarchy. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we, we, we've moved away from that as the leaders of families, of patriarchs and matriarchs. Mm-hmm. And, and so now I think people of that generation sometimes feel like there's nowhere for them to thrive or lead. Yeah. But that is so not true. You know what? Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call out in a good way um, Betty and Bill Thorsvig. Mm-hmm. Last fall, we did our I Am series, and we encouraged the entire church to plug into small groups, and, and we had great response to that. And Betty and Bill Thorsvig ended up in a small group of predominantly younger folks with kids. Uh, there were some, you know, older folks without kids, but, but you know what I heard time and time again from people in that group? What's that? That they loved being in a group yeah. with Bill and Betty Thorsvig because there is Christian maturity and, and mm. there is this, this idea that, that they can learn and grow and be mentored and be encouraged. In that same cycle, I was in a small group with Carol Lutz mm. um, and, and you know, a, a bunch of other people too. But when I heard Carol Lutz share her story of coming to faith and her story of how God has continued to, 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 to bless her and continue to, to be with her. You know, there is nothing but encouragement for me there. When mm-hmm. I shared stories of how sometimes I'm worried about my kids. Yeah. And I, got, I have people that have had kids before and are now grown and out of the house, right? I got, I got um, Jane White and Bill White, you know, coming alongside and saying, you know, we're going to pray for you, even to the point where Jane brought us a Christmas gift that year. Mm. And, and part of that Christmas gift was, was a, a, a DVD documentary of Steve McQueen. And you know, Steve McQueen, mm. uh, actor, excellent actor yeah. um, from before your time, before yeah. my time, really. But, um, but, but about how he lived this wild and free life and it was unfulfilling and he came to some faith and, and it was about that journey for him and yeah. it was this thing and she brought it with, the, with, with some, some snacks and movie things and, mm-hmm. but with the express thing, hey, watch this with Travis, mm. right? And so it's that kind of mentoring and coming alongside that comes from an older generation yeah. that's been there and done it and struggled through it that I, as, as the pastor of this church, I need and I can only imagine that everybody else needs it too. Yeah. So no, it... There, there is no retirement from this, and there is no, man, I've served my time. No way. Yeah. Uh, the fifth one is, I mean, we've touched on it, and I think in a lot of these, Yeah. the, the church consumer, uh, yeah. and the attitude is here, hey, I just want to be fed. Um, I'm going I'm to church shop, um, and I, I need my preferences filled if I'm going to stay type thing. Yeah. Um, and, and that's dangerous. Um, it's dangerous for those individuals because if too many people act like that, then the church isn't free to pursue God's vision. Mm-hmm. Instead, they're pursuing the vision of people that are, are coming in the church and saying, hey, I would gladly dig in here, but only if you do it this way. Yeah. Only if you do it this way. And, and mm-hmm. it's, that's a dangerous game, and, and you can't really pursue the vision that God gives the church because you're pursuing man-made visions at that point in time. Yeah. And this shift here is, is another simple one, but uh, church isn't primarily about you. Yeah. And I just think about that first century church. Um, they could have very easily all made it about themselves, but um, the, the scripture is so clear that they had all things in common, that they, yeah. they came together in unity. And um, when one group tried to make it about themselves, the mm-hmm. church swiftly acted and said, right. no, 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 you're feeding all of the widows, not just 
the Hebrew widows. You're yeah. feeding all of them because mm-hmm. we're not going to be about us. And you know what happens here, though? And, and it goes back to the, the, the people that say, hey, that's my church. I've been there forever. Mm-hmm. And then you get all the way down to this, this church consumer, the, the one that church shops and hops around mm-hmm. that you try to placate. You know what you create there? What's that? You create bullies. Yeah. Bullies that demand their way and they work behind the scenes to get their way and they don't care about the unity of the church nearly as much as they care about getting it their way. And they may internally, they may think they're right. Yeah. They may even think they're doing good because when they get their way, they think that's better for the church. But that's where it's like, yeah, you're not trusting God. You're not trusting your leadership at that point. Mm-hmm. But when you placate people that are like, that's my church. This is the way it's going to be. Or church shoppers that say, I would gladly come to your church if you would only do these things. Mm-hmm. You know, you do that too often and you start to create some church bullying yeah. um, where you have to deal with people that are like, no, no, it has to be like this. Yeah. And, and our sixth one is is just fear. Yeah. And just uh, this makes me think of, of Stephen, uh, who you know gets jo- joins the twelve and then preaches and is killed. Right. Um, yeah. He he he's the answer to that. No, we're only going to feed the Hebrew Jews. They're like, no, no, no. Okay. Uh, we we need something in place, and and we get deacons, and Stephen is is apparently the head of them, and he stands up and preaches and knows it's not going to end well. Yeah. They crucified Jesus. Right, mm-hmm. he's proclaiming Jesus. They've already put, you know, some folks in jail and warned them not to talk about this. And he gets up there and he, he's like, "Let me give it to you." Like, like he goes through the history yeah. and he's like, "Here's where you are coming from, and here's how where you are coming from has gotten to where I am. Right. What's wrong with you that you don't see this?" Mm-hmm. And they throw rocks at that guy till he's dead. Yeah, uh, and I, I don't in America that is not. That's not what the, where the fear comes from. The fear comes from a simple, I think, rejection and, and the idea that, well, well, what if I bring up Jesus at work? Then, then I'll get rejected. Um, and and I, I love this saying, but the frozen chosen, you know, we're good, so we're not, we don't have to be missional. Right, yeah, we're, we're all set, thank you. Yeah. Um, you know, here's the thing. Um, you know how I said earlier, the idea, if, it, if it's not broke, don't fix it. That's one of the things I hate more than anything else. Mm-hmm. Actually, this is one of the things I hate more than anything else, too. Yeah. Because uh, the idea that I don't, that my fear will keep me from being on mission, mm-hmm. that somebody's fear will keep them from being on mission, mm-hmm. means that they are allowing their fear to contribute to the damning of people to hell. And I, I mean, I know that sounds, oh, like, wow, he's really putting it on or he's really overdoing it or whatever else. But man, the Bible is so clear that hell is so real. And, and mm-hmm. you know what? If I can't get past my fear yeah. so that I can keep people or do my part to allow the Holy Spirit to do its work to keep people out of hell, mm-hmm. like if I can't if I can't sacrifice a little bit more resources, if mm-hmm. I can't sacrifice some time, if I can't sacrifice some comfort to sing songs I don't like or sacrifice some like uh, comfort and say, okay, well, we're going we're gonna to maybe engage in, in multiple services or multiple sites or yeah. whatever else, you know, then that's problematic because the gospel is so necessary and there are people mm-hmm. that are going to hell. And we get so fearful that it's not going to go right. 
and so fearful. I think, you know, elders have to fight this all the time, but, but, but we do effectively. Whenever we plan a new ministry or a new thing, it's, it would be so easy to get so afraid. Well, what if it doesn't go well? Well, then we'll have failed. No, man. It's in our core value to be bold. Yeah. If it doesn't go well, then guess what we say? Huh. Swing and a miss. Let's try something else. Yeah. Because we can't be afraid to do bold things for the gospel of Jesus Christ because God is absolutely worth yeah. um, that effort. Like, we'll be bold when it comes to all kinds of things. Mm-hmm. Oh, but not the gospel. I just, I, I love sports. and it's, it's the shooter's mentality. Right. You know, we are supposed to be bold as a church. You know, you have Steph Curry, who's supposed to be a three-point shooter, the point guard, the leader of his team. When he has an off night, he keeps shooting. He doesn't just stop shooting three-pointers. And say, oh, forget it. I'm yep. done for the season because I had, I had a bad experience. No, right. man, we are going to go, go, go. And that's part of this, um, you know, that's part of the first century attitude that mm-hmm. the church thrived. I mean, what, like, how do we minister to, to Gentiles? I don't know. We've never done it before. Yeah. Well, I tell you what, let's go try it. If it works, great. If it doesn't, we'll do something else. Yeah, and, and I think... Uh, what wraps all this up is um, a casual approach to faith. Yeah. Uh, there's a, uh, and some people who love traditionalism will hear this and be like, see, we got to have it tradition." No, 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 no. We are casual in our tradition. We are casual in our approach to God. And I think if we can get a good, reverent view of God, then a lot of this stuff disappears. Yeah, I mean, I think it, you know, we talk about the solution to all of these. Hey, it, it's God's church. Mm-hmm. It's the gospel that saves. Um, when we understand our sin before a holy God, then we don't, we don't flirt with sins that we think are not that bad. You know, when we understand that, that God isn't limited by my demographic or my giftedness, but he wants to use me in mission, and that the church isn't about me, but that I'm supposed to be a part of it, mm-hmm. you know, and, and that all of those things, when we understand those, um, then you're right, man. The church experiences revival, and it storms the gates of hell. And you know how we experience that? How do we do that? We get close to God. Mm, Yeah. You know, if you're like, man, I've been taking God too lightly, well, then stop taking God too lightly and Mm -hmm. get close to God. You ever, you ever do the Bob Newhart counseling thing? You ever see that no, video clip? Never. Oh, it's, it's him as, as a counselor, and, and there's this scenario where people come to see him, and, and, and he's like, well, you know, we charge by the minute. Mm. You know, he's like, it's good for some people. Some people don't like it. That's why we charge for the minute. And so the lady tells him his problems, and he says, okay, I understand. And then he says, are you ready to hear? And she says, yes. And he says, stop it! <laughs> and she starts to say something, and he's like, just stop it! <laughs> And you know what? I mean, honestly, it, it, it sounds so silly, but as a counselor, I wanted to shout that a lot. Yeah. And as a pastor, here's what I'm going to say. People are like, oh, it's so hard. It's so hard. I don't care. Do it. Yeah. Just dig in. Read your Bible. It's hard to read the Bible. Yeah, it's hard to read the Bible. Read it anyway. Mm-hmm. It's hard to carve out time to pray. Carve out time to pray anyway. Mm-hmm. You know? It's hard to know when, I, when I'm actually hearing from God. Well, you don't... If you don't have a relational connection, yeah. of course it's hard. Yeah. If you're not reading his word, of course you don't know what his word sounds Says, on. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and you know what? So this is the thing about it. It's like if, if, you're, if we're worried about these attitudes killing the church, well, you know how we fix that? We fix that by digging into a relationship with God. Mm-hmm. And then when we do that, well, there's no 
response that we could even possibly have besides go where God prompts us to go. Because yeah. when you are in with God, when you are following God, when you are making an effort to put God in front of you and to stay in front of him and to look him in his face and, and to just be in awe of the fact that the God of the universe loves and cherishes and wants you and, and you see that and you know that and you experience that, there's no way you're going to say, okay, but God, I'm putting you on hold mm-hmm. so I can go over here and fight for this preference that I have or I can yeah. go over here and engage in this sin or I can go over here and kick this person out because I don't like that they're in my seat at church. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's no way you're going to go there when you've invested the time to grow in your relationship with God. And so the answer to all of these mm-hmm. is, man, you've got to get tight with God. You've got to be reverent. You've got to understand who he is. Yeah. And, and that, that doesn't mean that you say liturgy. It doesn't mean that you sing hymns. It doesn't mean that you sing contemporary songs. It doesn't mean anything about that. Mm-hmm. It means you have a heart posture of, you're God, I'm not, you love me, I can't explain it, but I'm all in. Yeah, and I think... We've got to understand that God's desire for his church is that it would be healthy. Yeah. And, and we talk about these attitudes, but uh, these are sicknesses, and they can breed sickness. And, and God wants you to be close. God wants you to be healthy. And when you're healthy, the church is healthier. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's no way around it. That is the necessary position and posture of a healthy, growing church, is that we are going to fight these attitudes, and we're going to fight them primarily by digging into our relationship with God and calling them out where we see them. Yeah, so some of you listening, maybe you need to spend the next 20 minutes after this reading or praying, uh, getting close to God. That's an easy action step. Get closer to God. So just want to thank you guys for joining us if you made it all the way through maybe you got to part of them you're like oh I'll, I'll come back later because <laughs> that one stung a little yeah. bit yeah but thank you guys yeah.